Hello everyone, welcome to the NK Active podcast. This is episode four. I really hope you enjoyed the last episode. So really excited today um, that we've got a special guest uh, with us. It's another company that we work closely with. And I would imagine if you live in the Southampton area, you'll most probably know this business very, very well because the odds are when you were a child, well, you may have shoes from there now, and then your parents may have done, and then your grandparents may have done because they've actually been around that long. So I just want to say a massive welcome to Caroline from WJ um, French and Sons. Limited. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me on. That's okay. So for the people that don't know what French and Sons is, can you give us a bit of history and and background yeah we are one of the oldest shoe shops in england uh, we established in 1803 and um, we're 217 years old now um, it all started with francis french who qualified as a master shoemaker in 1803 and i'm the eighth generation of the family yeah. to take over the business so um francis french used to make shoes in his house. But then the second and third generation of Frenches, they had shops in Southampton. And WJ French is the fourth member, the fourth generation. Um, he had a disagreement with his dad, which is why he moved to Bedford Place where we are today. And that disagreement was that his dad made um, bespoke handmade boots and yep. WJ French wanted to buy boots from the factories who just started to mass produce boots that were all in one size. Um, so he set up shop alone in Bedford Place, where I think it was mostly residential then, back in 1890. And um, he, oh, the, the shoes coming from the factories then were crazy. They were called straight. So they, there was no left and right shoe. You just put them on and your feet gradually bent them into a left and a right shoe. So that wasn't ideal. So he had a workshop on the premises that adapted the boots for his customers. So he sort of had the best of both worlds. Um, so then great grandfather, first and second world war, grandfather, second world war onwards. And in 1960, he extended the shop. So he, he was looking to buy a shop somewhere else. Yep. So maybe Salisbury way. And his wife said, why don't you just expand the shop you have? Because then you're not going to be split between two places. So he bought the wool shop on the left and the butcher shop on the right and extended it out the back. So now it's like we've got over 2000 square feet of retail space uh, for the customer. Um, and it's a real target, isn't it? Like when you get there, you think, oh, shop and then you get in and it's always much customers always like oh it's so much bigger than i thought yeah it's absolutely massive and i was amazed but tell them how many pairs of shoes do you average hold on on stock <laughs> so i reckon about eight eighty thousand crazy yeah. um, like, like eighty thousand. and i was fortunate enough when when we first met you took me on a guided tour and i went well i'm going to describe it as a, as a sort of um, a rabbit warren underneath where you just see at least just boxes of just shoes everywhere. And it's like, that, that is just, just yeah, insane. Yeah, pack them in. We've got five floors packed with shoes. It's yeah. crazy, absolutely crazy. And the other thing was, it sounds silly, but um, the carpet, when you go in, <laughs> it's so thick. It sounds really silly. The carpet is so thick. And, so, and the number of people you get through the door, I'm just like, how do you like just keep that pristinely clean? And it just were like, yeah, I was just like, yeah, it was just one of my weird things I what I noticed when I walked in was just like the carpet itself was just amazing. we have to have that carpet specially made now because obviously oh, 
it's it's old. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> no one else sells it now. Yeah. So we want to have a chat all things footwear because we first met when I think I messaged you saying that we just opened this clinic up and we want to try and sort of improve that relationship between sort of my world, the medical world and your world, the retail world, because obviously me sort of being a podiatrist, I've got a, a bit of a keen interest in, mm. in shoes. And it was sometimes you can get that disconnect between what we say in the medical world and what you say in the retail world. And sometimes the medical world aren't kept up to date with what's new in the world of footwear and the retail world's not kept up to date with what's new in the world of, of medicine. So I thought it was, um, be a good opportunity for us to meet up and and really fortunate for me you were agreed and we seemed to sing on the same hymn sheet as it uh, as it were and that led to like doing a couple of our podiatrist days down there we had others books but then i think covid had different oh, yeah, ideas yeah. the joys of covid can i just say how bonkers it is that how separate <coughs> the podiatry and the footwear industries are it is getting better now but i mean when i started working at the shop like 20 years ago, obviously I haven't worked there all that time. I've done other things, but um, people, shoe manufacturers make the shoes and podiatrists learn about feet and there's there's not really any talk in between. And, and now that it's starting, like some podiatrists are involved now in helping to design shoes, yeah. but that's a new thing. And it's just crazy how the customer can benefit from the two for you from you and I connecting together and um yeah making it an easier experience for them yeah, you're right it is absolutely bonkers to why wasn't it being done on a regular basis mm. beforehand especially when you talk about um the manufacturer of shoes they're going away from sort of day-to-day -day shoes and more trainers there's a podiatrist Simon Barsold who um, with a hockey company called Asaka I've just literally just made the first hockey specific shoe Hockey, I think, is the third biggest sport in the world. And we've only now, in 2020, got a shoe that is designed to play that sport. Whereas all the others people have been wearing makeshift shoes that have been converted to Astros or running shoes. And it's crazy that it's, that it's just... It's a no-brainer, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'll be certain why hasn't this happened, <laughs> happened before. So the other thing that's really, I think, appealing with French and Sons is the service that you get. In, in my opinion, I, I may be biased because I, I refer a lot of work to you guys but it's like it's the only place I think where you can actually properly get your shoes fitted properly because I see a massive issue in clinic and there is research to back it up the majority of people wear shoes that don't actually fit their foot the amount of patients I see come in and say oh I've got an issue with the ball of my foot or am I getting numbness in the toes and you look at the shoes and they're like oh no my shoes fit fine but then you then Get, take the lining out of the shoe, get them to stand up on it, and you can see their foot just overhanging the borders, the outside inside border of the shoe. Um, so talk me through the journey. If someone wants to come into the shop, what sort of experience are they going to get? What would they expect? So we offer a one-on-one -on -one personal experience. So all the customer has to do is get there and sit on yeah. a chair. Uh, we'll measure their foot, both feet, because 40% of the population have one foot bigger than the other. So there's normally a shorter, wider, and a longer, thinner foot. So we've got to take that all into account. Um, uh, we, all the staff that I have, I've there's 20 of us all together, but from that, I've got about 14 fitters, seven full-time, seven part-time. Um, they've all got at least 20 years experience and that is just the gem of our business that you just don't find experience like that so they know the stock really well and it's like 
jeans. So if you were to have 10 pairs of jeans all in a size 10, you're not going to fit them all. Some are going to be a good fit, some are going to be all right, and some are going to be terrible. And it's the same with shoes. They're made on different lasts. They have different volumes. They have different um, features. So once a member of my team has measured the foot, then they'll know exactly in their head, you know, and you're just like, oh, I know exactly the shoe for you. So they're taking a lot of the uh, time they're making it time efficient and easy for the yeah. customer. And we stock shoes in half fittings, half sizes and width fittings. So to give you an example with kids' shoes, say if I wanted to stock one shoe and I want it in a four, four and a half, five, five and a half, six, six and a half, seven, that's seven and a half, eight, eight and a half. So that's 10 sizes in one shoe. But then I want it in E, F, G and H. So that's 40 shoes wow. I have in one. And then I want three colors. So that's 120 pairs I'm carrying of one Shoe. So if you stock, if you're a retailer that stocks Start Right or Clarks, you have to carry a massive stock. And on you find it, it we're special because we have Clarks and Start Right, but we also have Recosta, Geox, um, Petasil, uh, lots of other brands. And you don't normally get a shoe shop that has both of those or yeah. all of those attributes together. So that's why we hold so much stock. And with the ladies and the men's, we are carrying half sizes and width fittings as well. So we've got massive range of shoes to choose from. Um, we've also got workshop on site still. <laughs> uh, so we can make straps longer. We can do build-ups. We can put in zips. There's lots of ways to tweak it and make a more bespoke shoe to the customer. Yeah. And good customer service never goes out of fashion, Nick, which is why we have been around so many years, I think. Uh, I, I remember I was doing ask the podiatrist thing. I think it may. I think it was your dad that that popped in at one oh, yeah. point, and he was even then just pulling people up on no. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that because it is everything is just it's just it's just that process and it's that culture of the service is, is everything. And it's even when I took my daughter and had to buy the shoes. It was the fact that she was just sat. We sat down and. It wasn't a case of we go pick shoes we like. It was measure the foot and then you only we were only showed shoes that would actually fit. So you didn't have to go through that trauma of I want this shoe. Oh no, it doesn't fit. You can't have it. It's like we'll only show you shoes that actually are going to fit. Yeah. We we will let a customer browse the displays and and, and obviously get feedback from them what shoe they like. So in the men's department, we've just got black leather sold brogues toe cap yeah. so there's about 30 of them there and a man will look at it and become overwhelmed and go I just don't know what shoe I want so I say look just go brogue or toe cap let's narrow it down and then from those say seven pairs that are left the shoe chooses you so yeah. you're like you've done your work sit down and now let us get well, you, the shoe you know you, when you've got a right shoe you should just put it on and it just feels comfortable should be comfortable straight away yeah yeah and the difference in half a size is four millimeters and it doesn't sound very much, but sometimes you just put on a shoe and I like hundred percent, this is my size. And other times it can be a bit not sure, not sure, which is why we're there to have a feel on the outside and just guide So what you. would you then say to people that come in and sort of say, oh, I need to, you've got to wear it. Is that the old phrase? You've got to wear a shoe and you've got a better shoe in. What, what would your response be to something along the lines of that? Um, sometimes it is just a bit of softening around yeah. the back of the, the heel, which we can do in the workshop. But if it's anywhere around the front of the shoe, 
oh, or catching your your ankle bone. It's like, no, no, just leave it, walk away. And there's so many good shoes on the market now that are more casual yeah. and comfy that you should be able to just feel instant comfort. So then if we then move on to now chatting about different, from my viewpoint, different shoes to help with different pathologies and different problems. So one of the most common problems that we'll see with regards to getting shoes that fit are bunions. Um, and I remember you saying you do, there are some particularly wide shoes that you hold yes. in, in, in stock. For ladies, a brand called Vaudlaufer, and they have like no seams and are very um, soft uppers that are really kind to joints we have yeah. to say joints not bunions in the <laughs> because it offends people okay. sometimes <laughs> don't like the word bunion um in the men's shoes also Vaudlauf is really good echo both for ladies and men's also really good because they ha are wide easy to get into and yeah nice and soft and i think the key point there is um it's seam free you get so many <clears> shoes that have that seam and it rubs right on that joint line and it's just going to irritate someone yeah you always have to check the inside as well because sometimes you can't see it on the outside but there's something on the inside so you always have to get your hand in and just really check that yeah. it's smooth and then if we were then talking about um issues for we had a conversation around about we see a lot of arthritis in the middle of the foot and there are essentially a shoe that has a slight rocker in it we know is is helpful so for trainers, we're fine. We've got plenty to choose from. We've got Hoka, most probably the biggest brand that you offer a rocker type shoe. But I wasn't aware because they used to, class used to do something, I think it's called the Wave Rider or Wave Walker. And that was, but then they stopped making mm -hmm. those. Well, to my knowledge, they have. I haven't been able to find a pair or get a pair. And so I presume they stopped mm -hmm. making them. But then actually, you actually showed me a shoe that... Um, yeah. So Gabor do a women's trainer. It's not... It's not a trainer. It's a pump lace-up thing yeah. that you could... It's, it's smarter than a trainer, but that has got a rocking... It's called rocking soft and you can... Or rolling soft. Yeah, um, yeah that's got the rocker sole. And also Mephisto, ladies and men's, they have got more of a rocking sole on one of their styles that they and do. And what I liked about that Kaborshi was when you looked at it, it wasn't a traditional rocker. It was... They just used a different geometry of the outsole, so they just made one bit a little more flexible, one bit a little more stiff to give that rocking effect without actually putting a big rocker on Because you look at the shoe and it looks like quite a nice small shoe. It's not big and ugly to look at at all. So yeah, I was really impressed when I... We have tried some other rocker shoes. I won't say the brand name, but they're too unstable. And for anyone who's got a problem, it's like giving them a workout <laughs> that's un, like completely dangerous <laughs> like yeah. they they need the support and the stability of something um oh, yeah less wobbly can't yeah. have uh, uh, i completely mm. i know which brand yeah the, the yeah so then let's now have a chat about um shoes that for good for plantar fasciitis so for us again as podiatrists that we see a lot of that in in clinic and normally the majority of people like a a supportive shoe. A lot of people will perceive that they want a cushion shoe. A lot of people will say, oh, I must go buy sketches that is extremely cushioned and extremely flexible, but actually <gasps> nine Nightmare. times out of 10, mm. that's not the shoe they need. They just get no. lured by the softness. There isn't say. enough support in those shoes. No, so Echo, Legero, um, and Mephisto are amazing for that. So they've got a really supportive heel cup. They've got a stiff midsole. 
they're cushioned underneath so you can alleviate some of the heel yeah. pain and they've got really good fastenings that you can pull up and get the make sure the foot is right at the back of the shoe so it's not um it's just really supportive yeah and stable i love mephisto and i was i'm gonna use the word devastated so i was that my foot just doesn't fit in mephisto really? last yeah. yeah i tried a pair on and no matter what i could try they, they just like it's just it, my foot just doesn't fit in mephisto's shoes so i was like quite upset because I, I really like them as mm. as shoes i think they're well made um it's, it's really interesting when you have all the brands out and you just let a customer try it on often they'll put on they'll they'll mephisto are more expensive than echo yeah. and they'll be like oh look at the price of this shoe and then i just say just put it on and see if you think it's worth the money and nine times out of ten they'll put it on and just feel the difference and be like i understand now i will go with this shoe but sometimes they don't but it it is worth the money I yeah it, it is but i was lucky well maybe fortunately i found that actually the shoe the last that fitted my foot the best was the echo last. yeah um, yeah they suit me the best as well yeah. echoes yeah so then if we then have a chat about insoles or let's give them their proper name orthoses as the relationship between the insole and the shoe is so, so important and it is often massively just overlooked, i.e. and people will try and put the wrong type of insole, well, they'll try and put an insole into a shoe that just isn't going to fit and work that well. However, sort of talk me through what you guys, because I know you definitely work, but you see a lot of work a lot of my patients who's had orthoses, you've worked with a lot of other healthcare professionals. So you guys actually someone coming in with some insoles or even calipers or braces for children is you guys just deal with that on a mm. on a daily basis so i'm interested to know what's your approach from your retail perspective on how you then try and make sure you get those two to match so normally we can fit the foot but we can't always fit the mind so this is where <laughs> our relationship really helps that you can prepare them beforehand so a lady coming in with an orthotic that's maybe quite chunky is not going to be able to wear a court shoe but you would have prepared her for yes. that um where in the past that hasn't happened and she can't get her mind around having to wear a lace-up which is obviously much better for an orthotic because you're properly held in and a lot of the lace-ups have removable insoles that give you that extra depth. Because obviously when you put an orthotic in, it's pushing your foot up and then your heel, you lose your heel fit. So yes. um, it's great when someone comes in with an orthotic that's nice and thin. Sometimes you get full length ones, sometimes half ones. It depends on the shoe, which is better. But I like a full length one because when you've taken the insole out of a shoe sometimes it's not always nicely finished underneath and if you've got a half insole it's a bit rough under the full your forefoot so yeah the thinnest orthotic um but we all measure with the orthotic allow a little bit of extra room for um, depth and width and so many shoes come with removable insoles now that yes. if someone <laughs> comes in with an orthotic we're like oh that's fine sit down we, yeah. we can deal with this easily in the past it would have been like oh no it's an orthotic and it and it some of them are really chunky and big and scary and sometimes they'll they'll still pop in with that with a really yeah scary deep one which we just cannot work with but yeah it's things are getting better don't worry i, I, I always prep people when they when they come over and if we get a lady who wants to wear a court shoe, I'll say you can wear a court shoe, but you won't be able to fit your in, your orthosis in there. But Sometimes you can. Vaudelaire for do one <clears throat> with a removable insole, and I have got away with it. Okay. But it 
it, it can happen, but it, it's it's an occasion too, isn't yeah. it? It's not something you want to yeah, be around with all day. But then it's also from my education, the patients that if they've got orthoses, they don't have to wear them twenty four seven. If they're only getting the issues when they're going, when they're walking around. I won't say walk around the shops, but you can't do that really at the moment. So this is just going out for a walk at the weekend for a few miles. If that's what you then get the issues, then that's what you wear already. Also, if it's literally you're going out in the evening, you're just walking from the car park to a restaurant or something along those lines. I'm not really fussed. Get what those you... top totty shoes yeah, out. Yeah, yes. exactly. I'm not fussed what you're wearing. I'm not fussed you wear your faces or not because that doesn't cause your symptoms. I think there's there also needs to be better sort of expectation and management and education from the medical side when getting them to go to that retail aspect so then they know what to kind of expect when they walk in the door because I think it'd be it's, it's unfair yeah, you've to... got to do a bit of groundwork because there is a, a real mental part of it you've got to like the shoe it's got to be within your budget yeah yeah there's lots of things that are more than just I've, I fitted a shoe on your foot mm. so then what would you then say because We've got quite a good sort of working relationship as our two companies, but what would you then say to any other, what would your recommendations be to any other sort of retail outlet out there um, to do to try and then help improve that that scope of practices that were and and knowledge base? Communication between the two of us, really, because the customer can get so much more out of it. For them to be educated, in what they need to make their condition better so that they can come into a shop and say, I've got this problem and I need this and this because shoe fitters know something about um, ailments, but they everything's so personal and individual. So it's really important for retailers to listen to the customer and yeah, try and give them exactly what they need. It's properly footed, fitted shoe wear can really alleviate people's the weaknesses in their foot and help them yeah become more um i don't know just help uh, more efficient yeah gait and and i think from my perspective the biggest thing was actually i've really enjoyed when we've done the ask podiatrist days down because i've actually learned there were brands and models of styles of shoes that i didn't even know existed um that then that 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 Kabor, that that rocker shoe Kabor, I didn't even know that was in existence. Um, yeah, it was so, great walking around the shop, pulling out shoe boxes, and you tell me why it's good, and I tell you what what fits in it and how it fits. Yeah, it, it was and really then it good. helps improve my knowledge base. So then when I'm then recommending, okay, this is the type of shoe you may you may want to try, but you've got to be aware this type of shoe may not fit your foot. However, mm-hmm. then I went and then sort of learned, okay, this type of shoe fits a wide foot better, or if you've got a wide midfoot or a narrow heel, these are the type of brands. Then I can almost pre-prepare and prep mm-hmm. the patient when they come to you guys on what to sort of expect, what they're going to yeah. end up in. Because I think there is that definitely that reflection period people need on sometimes the shoe that they truly, truly want may not be the shoe that they can have because it just doesn't fit or it doesn't serve the purpose. Yeah, it um, does take time to sink in and realise yeah. Because, yeah, some shoes aren't as attractive maybe as you'd wish them to be. Although they have improved so much. I'd wear loads of the shoes now that have got removable. Actually, I do wear them all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then how often would you then be recommending someone to be 
or two parts of the question. How often do they recommend people replacing their shoes? And then also, if you're getting a shoe resold, how, how many times can you get that shoe resold before you think, I'd better buy a new shoe? So the best thing you can do with footwear is to have more than one pair. So two or three pairs and rotate them. Every shoe will last longer. It's better for your feet. So if someone says to me, what's the best shoe I can wear? It's different shoes because different shoes exercise different parts of your foot. So um, that's answer to question yeah. number one. Question number two, ah, oh, how long is a piece of string? Yeah. Some people are really heavy on their shoes and need resoling after six months. Others, maybe two or three years. But again, if you're... Um, I've got three, two or three pairs of shoes that you're rotating, then each shoe gets time to recover in between. So obviously you've had a bit of foot sweat in the shoe. It will dry out and recover and all your shoes will last longer. Yeah. And I, the rotating footwear, there is actually some evidence within the trainer world that that may be, that may have a slight chance of reducing the risk of injury mm. by people who rotate their running shoes. I don't know, I don't know if where, with day-to-day -day shoes, there's any research for that as well. But um, I would expect it is. I always tell patients it's, it's rotate your foot. I remember my basis. dad telling me that, so he must have heard it some, somewhere. of some <laughs> good source somewhere. Yeah. So bestsellers, what are your bestsellers in? What are people after? Yeah. So casual, everything's gone casual. I mean, people still do need smart shoes, but it's a gradual thing, not just a lockdown thing. Over the la over the few years, we used to have so many court shoes coming in for repair, and now that's such a tiny part of our workshop. Uh, people want to be comfy. Once you've experienced comfort, it's really hard to move away from it. I remember my first pair of like court shoes that had um, cushioning underneath. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I need more of this in my life. But it's once you've had it, you can't move away from it. So casual shoes and also things are less seasonal. People will buy, say, an ankle boot and then wear it all year round. Yeah. So yeah, a, a shoe that's comfy and going to last and you can wear it for loads of occasions, a multi-purpose footwear. Mm. And do you have any anything else you want to add? Any questions for me at all? Um, out of all our makers... Echo seem to be the like for, forerunners in developing scientific advancements. So they've got um, new soles, which are lighter weight and more flexible, yeah. but they've also got this thing called receptor technology. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's basically um, something they put in the sole to help your heel toe gait spring okay. away. And they say it's um, helps your body move more efficiently. So every one step you take, it's the equivalent, Oh, no, not the equivalent of three. The in a good round. way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because they're making it all... More efficient. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's better shock absorbing and um, st stable and making your walk more efficient. Do so you I, think... Yeah, I think... I, I'm not aware of that. I'll go do some reading. But I would imagine that's all about what they call a sagittal plane. Now, when you walk, there are three ways in the body can move. You've got sagittal plane, which is backwards and forwards, and then you've got frontal, which is rolling in and out, and then transverse, which is twisting. We know that if you want to push yourself forward, if you improve that sagittal plane, so that's why things like the Hoka trainers or fit blocks people like, because it feels like it's just pushing them forward, almost like the Gabor type mm. shoe. And I should imagine that's most probably what it is, because if you can then use a shoe to help push you forward in theory then there could be less energy spent um, yeah. 
But the big thing is also with weight. Um, the lighter the shoe is, the um, the less energy you'll spend to lift that shoe off the ground and start moving as yeah, well. Yeah, and wearing a lightweight shoe is so comfy. You don't realise <laughs> what it what it how it's going to affect you. It's amazing. Yeah, and in the trainer world, there's been some advances that actually we used to think to have a support issue, you'd have to like put lots of support through the arch and make it big and bulky. Well, actually, we're now showing if you change the geometry of the outsole, the shape of the bottom of the shoe, you can affect how much that supports the foot just as well as using big, bulky materials. So, um, yeah. I thought of a good question for you. Okay. So we've stocked Startright shoes for uh, over 100 years, probably. Yeah. Um, they're always really supportive around the back and quite structured. And then Bobucks came in about yeah. five years ago and they have no support in at all. And all my team were like going, oh my gosh, how can this be a good shoe? It doesn't have support. But then a New Zealand podiatrist had worked with Bobucks and um, developed this, well, a shoe <coughs> and said that it, obviously barefoot, you're exercising all your muscles and keeping your foot fit and yeah. strong in a different way. And when we fit them, we realized we've got like barefoot shoes to really structured shoes there's a whole yeah range and that each child is better in a different shoe it's like horses for courses yes do you have what do you think is better or do you just think it's whatever it's horses works for courses. For each? i personally absolutely love bowbuck shoes i think they're really well made i like the soft leather on them and i just think they're a really good good shoe um i'm personally my view is that when the children first start walking is um, I, I, unless there is a medical need, it's always a case of the less of the shoe, the better. I, I like to try and so both, my, my, not both my children, one's just turned one, so she's just started walking. But my eldest, um, she's in, um, I think it's Ricosta shoes mm. that are generally quite flexible. They're not as structured as the start right shoes. Um, they have a nice stiff heel counter because I just think that that just helps keep the shoe on. Um, but the shoe in general isn't too supportive. It offers a bit just to help protect them from it's standing on anything nasty. It's kind support, yeah. yeah. But it's not overly intrusive. It's mm. not, um, well, we're going to support the foot because especially when they're growing, just let the foot do what it wants to do. Um, the biggest question we see in clinic with regards to young children is, if we see um, toddlers or young children that have flat feet, they're like, oh my God, we must have a supportive shoe. Well, there's no evidence to suggest that A's a flat foot's a bad foot, and there's no evidence to suggest that that child's then likely to then go develop problems. Mm. Um, and actually, if you look at the majority of children that have just started walking and toddlers, their feet are generally quite flat anyway. They've just gone from this state of being in the womb to crawling, and their foot's just forming and making it a doing fatty a, pad, yeah yeah it, exactly so um my is always a nice more flexible shoe unless there are some times where you look at the foot and they are um it's a really flat foot and then you ask the parents and there's a long history of knee pain foot pain and the child's limping and and the great thing i tend to find about children is that if it hurts they'll let you know and if it doesn't hurt They'll, they'll let you know they as let well. you know in a way that they take the shoes off they <coughs> don't want to wear them they can't always verbalize it but they'll resist yeah. we, we um mm. someone brought one of my daughters a set of sort of like vans pumps kiddie shoes and she put them on two minutes later she took them off and said 
these are rubber muffs that I don't like them, Daddy, they hurt. And she just hasn't worn them since. So they, they'll, they'll tell you. And I think, yeah, just listen to the kids and, and don't worry about a flat foot being a flat foot unless there are symptoms and problems that are going mm. going with it. Um, but then there are issues. And if you get children who have heart mobility syndromes who may need that support, I've forgotten that name of brand of shoes. We've got Kinesi. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. And you can really see how much better they walk. So a child that can't walk, and then we put these boots on because they're holding them and giving them some stability. They started walking in the shop. The parents couldn't believe it. it yeah. Footwears makes. Uh, yeah. And, and, and those are, for me, are like there's a medical need for that shoe because mm. beforehand, a lot of those children may have been in insoles or caliphate or... But, They've, what I like about Kinesis, they built the shoe with enough support that they could build it into the shoe and less than the amount of support that has to be put into the shoe retrospectively. And they come um, in colours. Yeah, they do. Uh, they, they are. They are. I, I was really impressed when I... But again, I think I believe some podiatrist or medical professional in the footwear world has actually had some input into designing... Yes, yes, that, the podiatrist designed it, yeah. Yeah, so mm. it's, again, it's going back to what we said initially of well, actually, this is where medical and retail should be together, chatting, designing shoes to fit a certain problem. But Definitely. yeah, but mm. to sum up, really, um, a flexible shoe is what I tend to go for, mm. unless there's a need, a medical need otherwise, um, and just make sure they fit properly and they're, and they're comfortable. But as we both know, the kids will tell us either way. Not always. It's like sometimes they can't feel it's hard to explain, but it, and with the um, stuff that I've read, they, they can't always say. Yeah. But it, it depends how old they are, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, so I just want to say a big thank you for coming on. I hope, I'm, I'm sure everyone's going to find it really, really useful. And when time allows, um, I'm sure we'll get back in, back in and do another Ask the Benitra session. Thank you, Nick. It's been lovely for you to have oh. me here and I look forward to seeing you in the shop soon. Yeah, no, thank you very much. So next month, um, it's going to be myself, Charlie and Natalie back again. We're going to be chatting all things heel pain, different types of heel pain, not everything's plantar fasciitis, and then tips and tricks that you can do to then help manage it yourself. Um, don't forget to subscribe and like the podcast and we shall see you all soon. Bye.